Hello, everyone who's listening. Welcome to Bear Talk Podcast,、um, a podcast about design, productivity, and technology. A couple of years ago, actually, exactly two years ago, I had a guest on my podcast to share his design journey and insights about、uh, the design industry in New Zealand. His guest、uh, is Braden Jarvis, and、uh, a little bit about him:、uh, he's the Uh, principal researcher and managing finder of the space in between,、uh, has 15 years experience in agency leadership and work across、uh, different projects with different clients. And last time we do have a really great、uh, conversation about、uh, how design industry looks like in New Zealand,、uh, but. Today I'm more curious on what he's doing on hosting a podcast, Brave UX, where he helps other curious and determined people to learn from、uh, the stories and insights of the、uh, other big names in the world of UX. And、um, I'm so curious on his journey on podcasting. That's why we have、uh, Braden here today. As a guest, and yeah,、uh, hi, Brendan. How are you? Hey, Bear. Good, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yep.、Um, yeah, I think、uh, there are heaps of questions about this、uh, about this topic. But before that,、um, I, I want to share one thing that I really、uh, like as the as the probe that I want to reach out to you because I've recently see、uh, some. Updates from you on LinkedIn and some snippets that you've done with talking、uh, with other、uh, UX influencers. And one day, I think I saw、uh, Jack Spool, Zero Spool, on your podcast and、uh, sharing something, and I was really impressed because、uh, for some people who don't know,、uh, Zero Spool is the kind of like the The guru in、uh, UX design industry, and like、uh, you cannot、uh, run away from from his name because he seems everywhere. And uh, but uh, also like I start to、uh, have this question: like, how did you do that? And how、uh, like how how you started the conversation and、uh, and things like that? And then I find that you also. Keep doing that for for two years without any、uh, break, and also during the COVID, this is really impressive. So yeah, that's the reason I I, I reached out. And、um, but before that,、um, is there any like、uh, like the context you want to bring to us, like what uh, like uh, about your podcast and、uh, something about what you're working on a, a little bit. Yeah, sure, Bear. So the the podcast, I think you did a fairly good job of of summarising it. it. Really focuses on the intersection between UX design and also product management, because、mm. as you would know, working in a product company,、yep. these worlds of design and product are so closely intertwined. So the the show really focuses on getting to depth on those big issues that are affecting the practitioners in this space. Uh, and those shared spaces,、uh, but also it has quite a human side to it as well. And one of the things that I really do with my show is I I like to get into the 
backstory and the tangential but interesting areas of my guests' lives because they often are are curious and interesting for people to hear and there's often something that we can learn from those stories that aren't necessarily just focused on how do we do a certain thing. I like to get people to think about the bigger questions, the why do we do certain things and how does the work that we're doing in this sphere influence our lives outside of you know the keyboard and all the other things that have been going on in the world in the last couple of years it's it's actually ended up being a bit broader maybe than i initially thought it would be yeah it's more like go with the flow and also add some human touch on Mm. uh, on that and that's a really good uh summary on uh you you want to understand why people start to do that i want to ask you this question like why do you start it uh uh your podcast at the beginning Uh, um, yeah it's a good it's a really good question and i i did think about this i have thought about this a number of times since i started the podcast and the thing that i keep coming back to is there was a to be honest there was a, a little bit of loneliness intellectual loneliness that i had experienced in my career i had run my own design agency for about a decade before I made the the leap into focusing solely on UX research. And part of that leap that I made was a result of, I suppose, getting too comfortable with just cranking the handle on working a particular way. Mm. And so the podcast came in around September, October 2020, so about six months into the pandemic, and there was this absence of depth that I was experiencing in my professional life being then a a, a team of one. Mm. Uh, and so the podcast was me really seeking to have those conversations that would give me something to think about personally, professionally. It was a new skill that I could develop on top of an existing skill in terms of interviewing users or participants in research. It's different, uh, but it does, it does, borrow some of the strengths from that. So it was really, it was an expression of seeking depth, pushing myself outside of my comfort zone and really just needing to take my curiosity to the next level. Mm. And that's, um, that's why, why and how it came about. And that's, I do feel a lot, a lot of resonate when you speaking of that uh, intelligent, uh, intellectual loneliness especially when work with uh, with some specific projects. Uh, I think uh, as a professional a designer, we're able to get things done, but how to get inspired, how to keep the swords sharp from, uh, from a bigger picture, and also how to, uh, how to learn things from different people without always speaking to the specific projects. And that's also like uh, feels... Uh, the outcome that's the outcome of doing the podcast uh, yeah uh, mm-hmm. I do feel a lot of resonate and uh, yeah thanks for sharing that I, re- I really like it um, and is that um, something that if you Chris you, you mentioned that it started from three weeks before pandemic what oh, do you sorry I, it started about six months into the pandemic oh six months yeah mm-hmm. uh, what what do you think the timing for your podcasting uh, journey, in in terms of the timing of it beginning, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think the, the timing is symptomatic of the time that we were in then. You know, we were all locked in our homes. There was really uh, nothing that we could do in our physical environment here in New Zealand. We, we were essentially banished to home. And yeah. the only real connection we had with the outside world was through the screen. And for me, I'd always been a consumer of content. And I suppose I wanted to scratch that itch of intellectual loneliness but i also wanted to start contributing something to the community that had been very good to me over the years or i feel like it had been very good to me and the kind of content that i would be proud of putting my name on and the kind of content that i would like to consume you know so maybe that's a bit vain in that respect but i really did want to to put something out there that people could really get their sink their teeth into and would give them challenging things at times to think about you know and, and by that i mean i've had some uh, guests on the show that are outside of slightly outside of what most people would consider the comfortable happy path of design mm. so i've had people like eva Penzimug on who wrote design for safety and we really got into quite a deep discussion about how technology enables domestic violence in that issue and that episode and for me that was qu quite it was quite it was actually for both of us um i think both of us shed a tear during that episode and i never anticipated getting so emotional mm. on a recording and then putting something out there like that into the world for someone else to see but i felt that it was such an important discussion for the community to be privy to and Eva's work is amazing in the space and it's not an area that's often talked about. So mm. there've been some really interesting, challenging conversations uh, that have come about as a result of doing this. And, and I feel, I, I do feel, I feel proud of the, the podcast and every episode that I put out there, I, um, I make sure that uh, put the effort in so that both me and my guests can be proud of what we've made together. Yep. Um, that's, uh, that's. I think I, I do have some similar feelings sometimes when I have uh, got into a really deep discussion. Uh, like the level of the uh, of the conversation is, is so deep, and uh, really mm -hmm. enjoying that moment. And um, yeah, the reason I started asking this question uh, about timing is uh, more related to uh, the format of the podcasting, because uh, at mm -hmm. first. Uh, maybe as uh, before pandemic, like podcasting could be like the primary format would be uh, go to the workshop or uh, the office and to people sitting in person and have mm -hmm. a conversation. Um, mm. But I, I guess from from uh, from what you your experience probably started at first as uh, online as a default uh, mode uh, rather than uh, in person. Uh, how, That's right. Yeah. How how do you how do you feel like uh, or like uh, what's the experience of starting uh, by default as an online uh, online format? Yeah, there are there are things to learn about how to do this on the online format, as you probably know. But if people are listening to this on audio, what they won't be seeing is the way in which we uh, are looking at each other on the screen here, and I'm not actually looking at you. <laughs> Yeah. I'm looking at my camera. Yeah. You're on the screen, so I can see you out of the peripheral vision that I've got, but I'm not looking at you, but it feels very much like I am if you're my guest. 
uh, yeah. or in this case, you know, you're the person who's actually interviewing me and I'm the guest. So there's, there's a different set of skills to learn to communicate with someone in, an, in, in what could be an impersonal, an impersonal medium. And they took me a while, quite a while to become comfortable with. And I think if you go back and look at some of the early episodes, probably it took me, it, look, it's a work in progress. Everyone is a work in progress. I'm not saying that I've arrived at some nirvana of podcasting, but I think if you look at anything under episode 10, it, especially the first episode with Steve Bromley, and he was such a gracious guest, putting up with all my nervous fumbles and you know, being number one, being the guinea pig. Uh, there's a whole different way of interacting with a person on this medium to make it a pleasurable experience for people that are listening and watching, but also for the the guests that you have on the show as well. So they feel like you're really there with them and you're connecting with them. When of course you're not, you're just looking at a camera lens. Is there any tip or maybe we can share the tip later, but uh, speaking of not looking at the people in, in with on the face, but looking at the camera, uh, do you have any tip uh, to to make you feel comfortable and natural on on this format of communication? Yeah, you can get a camera that you like to look at. Would be a good one. <laughs> yeah, invest no. a better one. <laughs> yeah, get a get a good looking camera. Um, you spend a lot of time looking at it. I think it's just a case of practice. And I was actually working with a bunch of fellow speakers at Rosenfeld Media's Design at Scale conference this year. I was invited to open the conference as the first keynote speaker and mm. they put us into these little cohorts of, of, of other speakers so that we could help each other refine our talks and give feedback to each other along the way. So I think we put in about three months worth of preparation uh, in total, each of us, um, before we were actually speaking at the event. And one of the things that I popped into the Slack channel that we're on there with all the other speakers was that just practice this looking at the camera when you're having your regular daily meetings. So instead of sitting on Zoom or Teams or whatever you're using, and you know, like I'm doing now, Bear, I'm looking at you down on my monitor, right? Mm -hmm. And if we are both doing that like we are now, neither of us are actually looking at each other. Yeah. Just practice looking at the camera. You know, mm -hmm. turn off self-view for a start because we're all slightly vain and we get distracted by ourselves. Turn yeah. that off. And, and put put your notes up or something over the video screen and just listen and look down the barrel of the, of that camera and after a while it won't mm. feel so strange and it will me it'll mean or it should mean that people on the other end feel like you're really paying them attention that's that's a really good tip for me as well like looking at the camera but pay attention on what you're actually listening and try to talk and yeah that's more like uh, to um, to active listening rather than just looking at the camera or looking at uh, the screen uh, to the other person but actually listening to what they are talking and it, it's much better yeah uh, mm -hmm. thanks for the mm -hmm. tip and mm -hmm. yeah you you might uh, if people people who's listening you might notice that I'm also like checking the screen and sometimes looking at the camera and I need to practice more on, on this as well but I think that's a uh, uh, that's a uh, like that's kind of the new norm for everyone to communicate online with uh, mm. with with other people we are working with, and definitely worth to uh, to invest some time and effort to to improve it. 
Chris, this seems like a, a soft scale, but also like a, tr a transitional scale that we will we'll, we'll need to use for our daily work, uh, no matter what you're work, working on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, back to the podcasting. Uh, what, um, what the what what was the workflow that you're you're working on the podcast? Because uh, one thing that I was impressed that is you keep producing every week like uh, it's mm -hmm. a weekly podcast uh, even without any stop uh any pause or break and most of the podcast was just uh interviews with uh with other guests so it's it should consider like the time you spend on reaching out inviting and yeah that could be a lot of time to 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 spend behind the scene so how, mm -hmm, how how's mm -hmm. the workflow and how did you get all the things organized so the first thing if you are considering starting a podcast to think long and hard about is just how much effort it will take to do on a regular basis do not underestimate that i don't think i underestimated it but i've certainly grown a deeper appreciation for just how much energy and effort goes into making these shows like Bears that we're listening to now, right, that you're listening to now work. It's a lot of effort. So I tend to do a few things to manage that effort and make it more manageable so I can live the rest of my life. The things that I do are I batch my invites. So I will mm. carve out uh, a, a few hours every couple of months, for example. I'll research the people that I'd like to invite to the show and then I will literally invite them one after another so that I can get that off my plate. I know that I'm going to get, you know, a fairly good response rate over the next week when people come back to me and that I know that then I've got a lot, a longer runway um, on top of what I already have booked in and I don't have to worry and scramble around for guests. All right. So that's the first thing that I do. I'm actually coming close to the end of my runway at the moment and I need to spend a couple of hours doing that. So you've just reminded me that I need to do that next week. <laughs> And the other thing that I've done over time is I have templated the assets or the elements that go into making a podcast work. So the show notes, hmm. the um, the discussion guide that I prepare for, for my conversations with my guests. Uh, what else have I done? The LinkedIn posts, the tweet that I use to support each episode. I have a recipe for each of those and... I have built it in such a way that I'm able to take aspects of my show notes, build them into my LinkedIn posts, take an aspect of the LinkedIn post, condense it down into the tweet. So everything kind of layers on top of each other. It's still a lot of work. And one of the things that I should probably invest some more time in is finding um, a really great person to help me with some of that effort. But most of my effort actually goes into preparing for my guests so I would spend, and perhaps this seems like an obscene amount of time, but I would spend at least a day to a day and a half preparing for each episode. Mm. What usually do you prepare? Like do some research about the guest or yeah. the specific topics that you want to talk? Yeah, so the my method for that. And sorry, when I say a day and a half, day, day and a half, that's all up. That's not just prep. So that's prepping, recording, reviewing the edit, 
uh, writing the supporting posts. So each episode takes me about a day and a half to, to put out. So my, my method for prep is fairly extensive. I'll spend about four or five hours watching or listening to previous content that my guests have put out because I'm really trying to understand what their perspective is. And then I try and find interesting areas of conversation that feel safe for them to start with, but that I can then open up into perhaps areas that aren't necessarily that they've talked about before or that build on top of other conversations I've, I've had with other guests. So I look for those opportunities as well. So I'll go through, watch the content. I'll take some initial notes, maybe some really badly framed questions down. I then usually step away from it for at least a day and I'll come back to it then with the lens of actually pulling out the themes for the conversation. You know, what are the areas that this person's really got some strong perspectives on that we can get to depth at? And then I will start to craft the questions that I want to pose to them and I will write those questions as if I'm talking to them. Now, I don't necessarily read those questions verbatim when I'm interviewing them, but I get myself into the practice of writing like I'm speaking so that it feels natural and that when I come to prepare for the show in the immediate half an hour or an hour before, I can reread my discussion guide and I get a sense of what the territory is available that we could cover. Uh, but inevitably, we only ever really cover about a third to a half of all the territory that I've mapped out in my discussion guide. So mm. it's quite it's quite an exhaustive process. But for me, I, I err on preparation or over-preparation because um, I feel that it puts me in the best position to perform to the level that I feel I owe my guests uh, yeah. who have given me their time and their expertise. Um, and that's just the way that I default to preparing for the show. Right. Um that sounds like an enabler if you prepare properly or like spend a lot of time to prepare. It's enable uh, the conversation to go to a deeper level or at least uh, in an ideal way that's according to your expectation. Uh, and also for the guest, that feels quite natural uh, as a conversation. But for you, it's... Uh, might involve some hard work before that, or like more effort to be spent on uh, before the conversation. Do, do you feel mm -hmm. it's manageable, or like uh, uh, it might impact uh, your your daily work and life for doing this? That's a very good question. It's actually a question I ask myself fairly regularly. I reevaluate where my energy and effort is going. You know, like you, I'm a father. I've got a young, um, young family, and we have to choose how, how we spend our time and what what nourishes us. And that's that's many different things, or it should be in a in a life that's rich and full. And so I do I do think about this sometimes. But I'm actually in the fortunate position where, because I, to a large degree, control how I spend my time, being in the business that I'm in. It's a luxury that I've been able to afford myself without having to make un unpalatable sacrifices in other areas of my life at the moment. Hmm. And to be honest, to be quite honest with you, I really enjoy it. 
It is. It is a. I was talking to one of my previous guests, Steve Portugal, the other day. We're having some some emails. Uh, Steve's written a brilliant book called Interviewing Users, and he's a very widely respected researcher. And you should oh, definitely check interviewing his stuff out. users author, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, interviewing users. It's really good. Yeah. Mm. And Dollars to Donuts is his podcast, which I think he's thinking about bringing back, but it's uh, definitely a good one. Anyway, so Steve and I were talking, and I, I just said to him, look, this is, for me, we're talking about his podcast and, and, and my podcast, and I was saying, look, I just really love it. And I don't regret any of the time that I've spent doing it. It is a bit obsessive, maybe, but I learned so much from it, Bear. And I, and I now, I suppose... For posterity's sake, now I've got you know these videos up on YouTube of me sort of fumbling through this whole podcast journey and getting to some degree of competence with it now. Uh, but the thing I'm most proud of is the is the guests and the the conversations that I've been able to bring to other people in the design and product community to hopefully uh, give them something different to think about, and that those those will always be there as long as there's a YouTube, as long as there's a Apple podcasts, you know, they're, they're always going to be out there for someone to get some value from. Yep. Um, I think it's more like uh, to, to, uh, to answer, is it worth or not? Uh, it depends on different point of view. But uh, a few things I, I think we, we can consider is that this is uh, uh, like a, a constant or like we stay on digital format for uh, like forever. Like uh, mm -hmm. you can always keep it as a record to to see how you learn, and also uh, it's it's a really good way to interact with other people, and mm -hmm. also I think as a designer or like a product people, this is more like the skill or ability that we need to, uh, we need to like uh, like become the top of it. Like uh, always, mm -hmm. uh, good at communication and also mm -hmm. always good at uh, uh, understanding what people is uh, is talking and uh, leading or uh, like navigating the conversation, things like that. So that's really a valuable skill to practice. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, it's like a, a multiple stones for uh, for for multiple birds, like one stone for multiple bird birds. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the regularity of which I'm publishing, and I always come back to something that I believe I listen to Seth Godin's podcast, Akimbo, which is definitely a great podcast. Yep. He covers a lot of interesting territory in that in that show. And one of the things that he goes on about on occasion is this difference between being authentic and being a professional. Hmm. And the illustration that he gives is, do you want your surgeon, if you're going to, about to go and have open heart surgery and your surgeon's had a bad day at home and they don't really feel like operating, do you want them in your consultation just before you go under the knife for them to disclose that to you and to be authentic with you about how they're feeling in that moment? Or do you want them to be a professional? Do you want them to show up and regardless of what's going on at home, put that in a box for now and focus on you and give you the best open heart surgery that they possibly can. And I think we'd all, we can all safely say that it's the latter, right? We want yep. the surgeon to be a professional. And so I kind of internalized that with the podcast and have really taken that on 
to mean that regardless of what's going on for me in my life and projects and other things and whether or not I feel like preparing for a podcast and recording a podcast and reviewing an edit of a podcast, I just do it. It's become a practice. And it would be very easy for me to opt out of that and go, I'm just going to skip a week. But I think if you look at anyone, you know, such as yourself or uh, any author or any podcaster that's, that's having an impact and is is putting out this content on a regular basis, there's a reason for that. It's that they've decided that it's time to be a professional and that this is something that they take seriously. And while it might be a hobby as it, as in it doesn't generate an income, it doesn't mean that you can't be a professional in your approach to it. So I've, I've, um, I've adopted that approach and really took on board what Seth Godin was saying there about the difference between a professional and uh, being authentic. Hmm. Have you ever considered to take a break or skip one or two weeks oh, uh, every every almost every month <laughs> <laughs> maybe every week <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. i think uh, how, how did you overcome with that or cope with it like finally I, get get things done i think i remind myself of that am i am i going to be authentic here or am i going to be professional hmm. and it's really it's a really good question that I've been asking myself when I feel you know like not recording or not doing not putting in the effort. The other thing though I, I find is is that willpower isn't an infinite resource, right? We can't just will ourselves to do things, but what you can do is you can set up structures around you to encourage you to do the work that sometimes you don't feel like doing. So for for instance, booking guests. And these, mm. these are people who I respect, who I've invited to come on my show and are giving me and giving you know, my audience the time to do this. Booking them for a couple of months in advance leaves me no choice. Yep. Commitment. I just have, yeah, it's commitment, right? It's a commitment device. It's one of those things like, people talk about that make a decision that you know, removes a thousand other decisions. And that's one of those decisions that makes it pretty clear as to what's happening to this week, what's happening next week, and what's happening the week after. Yep. I feel a bit similar as uh, go to the gym or uh, do something that you're really reluctant to do, like uh, resist to do, but you know mm -hmm. it's good for you, uh, like mm. healthy choice or other things. And uh, when, when the mood is not on the right mode, just go with the motion and uh, mm -hmm. finish it, but also make some commitment, like inviting the guest, book them, schedule them, and it's leave you no no choice that you need to, if you want to cancel it, it's, uh, yeah, and take more effort. So, yeah, mm -hmm. love it. And there's a social price to be paid, right? Like yeah. We're social beings. <laughs> yeah, pressure. You don't want to lose face, right? You got a bit of pressure. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, most of the time, bear to be honest with you, I don't, I don't feel... Uh, I don't feel like that. I, f I feel really excited and I'm really happy to record and put the effort in. But we're only human, right? Everyone's, mm. Everyone has their bad days or bad weeks. Yeah. And those devices help you when you're having those. Yeah. I do feel that most of the, my time when I started to, when I uh, start, before I start to, to, to record something or just to, to write something, like before the, the project it's the hardest because you always feel ah oh, i'm not in the right mode and uh, this is not the right day and uh, the beginning is really hard and then 
but after a few minutes, and uh, normally it will go much better. Uh, mm. And then it's also like you already started, so it's okay to keep it going and get it down. So yeah, that's also a feel quite resonate, and uh, it's good to know that I'm not the only one. And yeah, definitely not. In fact, there's a really great book by an author called Stephen Pressfield called "Do the Work," mm. and in that book, Stephen explores what he calls the resistance, which is that little voice that we all have in our heads where we're procrastinating and we're putting off something and it's saying, oh, you know, I don't really feel like that. You can just push that off till tomorrow or, you know, just watch that extra show on Netflix. You know, those little uh, voices of self-sabotage that we all have. And he explores that in quite some detail and quite an, quite a, an approachable format as well. And I'm also reminded of someone else um, that people may know of, Stephen King, the prolific horror author. And he has a practice, I believe, of waking up, starting work at his desk at 6 a.m. and writing till midday every day, regardless yeah. of whether it's any good or not. Mm. That's just what he does. And that's why he's managed to put out, you know, dozens and dozens of best-selling books. Uh, he's prolific, but he he there's no magic there. He's just made a commitment to doing it, whether he likes like feels like it or not, and just does it. Yeah. Um, it, I th I'm curious about the next one, ne next question, because it's uh, relevant to what you mentioned that you batch invite uh, guests and also mm -hmm. like book them uh, like a few months before, a few weeks before uh, the interview. Uh, how did you find those guests? Like, uh, is there any? A routine or uh, like a method, uh, the approach you can, you are using. Mm. So some of this probably, most of this probably applies to any particular podcast that people are thinking about, where they're interviewing experts in a field. So, so my approach is has got a few prongs to it. The first is direct, directly approaching people, and the way in which I've found people has been through looking at those sources of community where my type of people that I want to speak with are. So places like Rosenfeld Media, who puts out amazing books on UX, runs amazing UX conferences. Uh, also, Alista Part, right? Alista Part is another publisher in the UX yep. space. Again, really great resource looking at who's been writing books. And the people that write books have a perspective and they often will support that perspective with doing other podcasts or podcast mm. interviews, talks, conference talks, things like that. So I know that I'm going to find someone that I can get a real look into their world and find it much easier to prepare for a conversation when I get a sense of who someone is. So that's one way. And then I'll reach out to them on LinkedIn. Mm. And the, the other way that I've used is, there's a couple of other ways. One is recommendations from previous guests. So once mm. I've, you know, now that I've I've got 80, I've 88 or so recorded episodes, I've got 88 people who know other people in the industry that have worthwhile perspectives and interesting perspectives to explore. So sometimes I'll ask them. And then the last one that I sometimes rely, well, re semi-regularly rely on is actually asking my LinkedIn network, you know, who, who is it that you want to hear from? You know, who has not been on the show that really should be on the show? And 
Audrey Chang, actually, who is my most recent guest in this week's episode. She's the CTO at Imager, which is a really great New Zealand startup that's revolutionizing the um, uh, cart, uh, electronic cart, sorry, the physical cart experience in, um, in supermarkets globally. Uh, she was actually put forward by a number of different people in, in, in the local New Zealand product and tech scene and design scene as a guest, as was Jodine Stoddart, who was a couple of weeks beforehand. Um, so that's also a, a, an area that I've um, asked people for some help, right? You know, um, bring people who they want to hear from. And there's always a few hidden gems out there that you just don't discover in your own research. Hmm. Is, there, is there any... Um... Like if we use like the 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 churn rate, oh sorry, maybe the uh, how how much the percentage, how's the percentage of the people who never replied or reject or uh, compared to uh, you successfully uh, invite to your podcast, or you just don't care much about it. Uh, the, I uh, haven't been tracking it there, and maybe this is my ego talking here but i would suspect it's fewer than 20 percent hmm. of people that don't reply or decline i think i've had one decline hmm. and you just have to respect that i didn't ask why it's not my place to ask why they just didn't didn't want to be on the show and that's okay yep. i've had probably the majority of everyone everyone else that hasn't come back to me are just people that haven't replied hmm. um, but most people uh, the vast majority of people have replied and, and, are, and are interested in being on the show. Mm. And again, I think that's part of the work that you put into selecting. It's almost self-selecting. You know, people that write books, give conference talks, and also have been interviewed elsewhere on podcasts generally are open to the concept of being interviewed on a podcast. So I think that's probably helped my, my strike rate. Yep. Um, yeah, the reason I'm asking this because... Uh there might be some people who's listening or some people are curious uh, about uh, starting a podcast or reaching out to some people that seems more famous than they they are mm -hmm. and have this uh, feel that what if they don't reply? What if they decline me? And uh, my personal uh, uh like the personal suggestion would be just go for it because you never know and I want to check from your results on inviting those uh, those guests and same stats uh, uh, like the valid this assumption you, 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 you will lose nothing so just go for it yep yeah there's, there's definitely nothing to be lost I think the thing to consider though if you are approaching people in the industry that you operate in who are that you do respect and that are respected by your peers is you have to be clear on what the value is that you're trying to create for the people that the podcast is for. Yep. No one has ever asked me for a speaking fee to come on the podcast. And I, I don't, I don't actually know if that's commonplace elsewhere. I don't know, but I suspect that part, part of the reason why so many people have been, keen to come on the show is because of what they have seen from watching snippets of other people who have been on the show as well as the other people who have been on the show so there's a bit of a snowball effect there for sure mm. now i now can you know mention to various guests that i'm inviting people that i know that they likely know and probably respect as people who have been on the show previously mm. so there's a bit of a um 
I suppose, a, a status game perhaps there, you know, where people are, want to be seen, where other people that they respect are being seen. Yep. For sure. But you do have to be creating something of value. And that's probably alongside considering how much effort goes into creating something like this. You should probably think, if you're thinking about doing a podcast, really um, carefully about what the unique value is you're trying to create for the community you're trying to serve. Yeah. That's a really good point on focus on the value. And I think it's depend. Uh, it's will uh, from different per, from different perspective, like uh, the value for ourselves, like why we're doing it, and the value for the guest, why they are joining, and the get uh, the value for the audience, why they they want to listen. So, what's the value mm -hmm. they they will get? And uh, mm -hmm. if those three things is a is a good match, that will be like uh, the ideal flow, uh, the ideal loop to keep it going. Uh, in uh, better and better, and uh, mm -hmm. if if something have um, have um, a conflict, that might be not a short, uh, not a long term uh, mm -hmm. thing to keep doing. So yeah, that's mm -hmm. a really good point. Um, let's talk something uh, about practical tips and tools and uh, workflows because you mentioned that you're sharing snippets uh video snippets to other guests as uh as well and uh how how much time do you spend on the average on editing and uh, uh like video and audio things like that i, I know it's quite time consuming and uh, what's your workflow on that so I made the mistake early on of recording, I think it was my first 28 episodes, recording and editing those myself. And don't, don't be me, people. Don't, definitely don't do that. Get yourself a professional editor as soon as you possibly can. Your time is better spent in other areas of creating value for your podcast than it is editing your podcast. Especially, especially if you're doing long format interviews like I am, and if you also have a have a have a slightly obsessive personality, because you'll spend hours and hours and hours and hours trying to do something that a professional can do in half the time and twice as good. So that is one of the things that I have for the last fifty or so episodes not had to do. I still review every edit that comes back. And I look at that very closely. I don't often these days have to give feedback to my editor on most episodes. There's, there's often nothing. Sometimes there's one or two edits that I want to make. But I also review the episode because I'm creating detailed chapter notes, um, chapters for my show notes on YouTube. And that also gives me a sense of the different areas of the conversation that I can highlight to people in my social posts as well. You know, what are those really juicy questions that we've explored or areas that we've covered that people are going to want to pay attention to or might learn something from? That's a great tip. And uh, curious about the before and after comparison, like uh, in the first 28 episode, how, how much time do you spend on average for one episode? And how about the after? when you have a editor to help you i would say an editor saves me at least four hours an episode mm. yeah so i mean you need to do the math everyone needs to do the math for themselves but how else might you spend that four hours of time 
you know, is that time with your family that you're missing out on or is it, you know, time relaxing or time working on another project or just time preparing for the next podcast that you could be doing. And for me, it made sense to, to not do that job anymore. Can I ask how much time, how much money do you spend on that, or like uh, on the average? Like, is there anything, uh, or, or like uh, what what the platform you're you're finding uh, uh, editor and outsource this this type of job? Any tips about mm. that? So my editor is uh, from Fiverr, and his name is Dave, and he runs a business called A Podcast Geek, and he's fantastic. He's really, really, really good at what he does. And he's got a, a network of editors or staff that he now employs, and he's got great standards. So his rates are all publicly available. I think he does different packages depending on how, how long your episodes are and what you need. Um, but he has been been fantastic to deal with and highly recommend him. When I read the book, The Principles by Ray Dalio, and he mentioned mm -hmm. that uh, imagine your work uh, all the things that you're working on uh, as a machine, and then uh, you, if you can't do the job uh, in the best way, or you really enjoy it, you're really good at it, do it. If you're not, fire yourself and hire another people to who can do it. So uh, to keep the machine running in a better way, I think it's really uh, similar at what you're doing, and um, to have a different mindset. And this is probably something I will explore as well because uh, I've mm -hmm. been doing things all by myself and uh, it's definitely something can be outsourced to, to, mm -hmm. uh, to, to save the time and to, to focus on the real value. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's a really good tip. I uh, love it. Um, Right, I think we because uh, we booked a one hour. I don't want to take too much time, uh, extra time for you, but uh, probably two. Uh, yeah, last... I'm, ha yeah, yeah I'm happy to. I can go another fifteen minutes. It was me that slowed us down anyway with my silly camera. So <laughs> cool. That's uh, probably we can go with uh, two or three questions uh, to, mm -hmm. to run through that. Um, and you mentioned that. So far, probably the, the challenge for making a podcast is keep the regular basis, like keep the consistency. Is there any, uh, any challenge that you find uh, that you want to share with the people who want to start a podcast or start doing something similar? Yeah, there have been a few challenges. I think the thing that I struggled with the most and have struggled with and still struggle with is finding my voice in the podcast. My podcast is always, and it still is, it should, it should, and it should always be if you're interviewing people mainly about what your guests have to say. But I had to get over some of my own fear about how I might be perceived by putting some of my own perspectives out there to sit along and support and sometimes disagree with my guests, although not, not in a way that makes anyone uncomfortable, but just to provoke some interesting conversation. So getting over yourself is, we're always, everyone's always, I suppose, trying to get over their self to some degree and overcome some fear that they have of doing something that they, they wanna do. And I think it's, you know, it's worth recognizing and acknowledging that nothing worth doing well is gonna come easy. 
and that you are going to need to confront some of your own limitations and some of your own fears about the social world that we live in and your skill set in order to create something that you're proud of. So push through those and 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 try and quiet that voice of that resistance that Stephen Pressfield talks about. So that's probably the the biggest internal challenge that I've had. I think I've t- touched on the time required. That's another thing to think about and to think about carefully. There are more mediums of expression than just podcasting. Podcasting isn't quite as simple, and at least for me, it hasn't been quite as simple as just you know turning up, pressing record, and then publishing a video. Uh, there's a lot of work that goes in. Um, and I've also touched on the importance of being a professional. So if this is something that you are doing and there's value that you're trying to create for a community, then you need to show up and you need to keep creating that value. Not necessarily forever, but I'm reminded of something that Tim Ferriss talked about on his podcast when he was reflecting on you know how he's gotten to where he is with that show. I think he's up 500 plus episodes now. He said he knew if he got to six episodes that he wouldn't stop, that he was now he had now formed a habit. And I remember when I got to six episodes, I was like, yep, okay, I'm rolling now. I just got to keep going. So it's much easier to keep the momentum going than it is to stop and try and start something up again. Yep. So just, just keep keep at it. If you've got value that you're creating and it's working, even if it's only for one or two people, it's probably worth continuing. That's a great one. I really like uh, uh, you mentioned that the challenge of finding your own voice. Uh, I think it's a, it's a really deep um, uh, topic. Uh, it's more like to to find. Uh, do you want to show the th- learning progress process with uh, with your audience, uh, but to show you, mm-hmm. you as a as a more like a, a student to the guest, or you want to have a like equal like a peer level conversation with the guest and uh, maybe get really uh, deep discussion on the specific topic, but uh, from the audience perspective, it might seems too too hard or too uh, too difficult to understand or like uh, without proper context and how to balance mm-hmm. this point of view, like finding your mm-hmm. voice. Uh, but that's a really good one. I love it. Mm. Yeah, I've I've erred on my on my podcast on the side of sh- shooting maybe h- higher than uh, than than what maybe most. It, sorry, let me start that again. What I was going to say is, I haven't been afraid to embrace complexity on the show, or or getting into topics at a really deep level. In fact, I feel. Personally, I feel that this is what people enjoy from Brave UX, aside from some of the personal stories, is mm. that we, we do go there. And the show is actually, so knowing your audience, right, the show is specifically designed for people who are insatiably, cur- insatiably curious and are probably sort of mid to later stage in their career. That they're, they're either you know principal practitioners, senior practitioners, or they're, they're design leaders or product leaders. So these are people that are safe to speak at depth yep. and in detail about things. But yes, you're right. You do need to understand who you're seeking to serve and what will connect with them and then just go all in on whatever that is. Yeah. It's also like something you want to bring the audience in, but 
give them a little bit challenge because if that's mm. if things are really according to their comfort zone or they're really uh, like they know uh, you, uh, you design a way that they would they would consume it uh, quite 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 good, it might be mm. uh, not good for them for the long term. <laughs> but I know it sounds maybe too uh, too uh, a little bit ego to to say that, but uh, mm. that's. That might be a, a better value or a more value that you can bring by challenge them a little bit to to go deeper and um, and get uh, uh, increase the the level of the conversation a little bit. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, I think just one last question about uh, about the next step. So, what's the next step on your podcast? What's the future plan? What's the plan for next year or any anything you you're keen to do on your podcast? I am rapidly approaching one hundred episodes. Wow, congratulations! That's that's a milestone. That's it is a milestone. And I look, I know that you're you're a fairly prolific content creator as well, Bear. And I, I know I think you've probably hit that milestone many times over. But it is something that I I'm, I'm rather excited about. And it's not just the number, it's because I also have a very special guest who I won't divulge any specific details of, but somebody who is very important to the formation and foundation of the field of user experience, who has graciously wow. accepted now I'm, accepted to be on the show. I'm quite curious about who he is. They may or may not have worked at Apple, that's all I'll say. So I am very excited about that. I'm very focused on that. I'm really just one foot after another, though, preparing for each different guest that I've got in the schedule. And like I said, I, I still need to next week schedule some more guests. So I haven't got any dr- dramatic plans for the podcast other than a very, a very special episode 100. I do occasionally toy with the idea of closing the book at 100 episodes. And I haven't decided yet whether or not I'm going to do that. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I think mm. that's. I've learned a lot by uh, from from this conversation. Like, well, well, what you really focus on making each episode the best you can, uh, and uh, uh, that's actually the uh, the best plan for for. For making something good, because uh, we cannot see the whole picture, or like when we're working the progress, it's really hard to say, like the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like the whole uh, whole piece of work. What's the value, or what's the plan to do that, mm-hmm. and how you can make the change? Uh, what the information you've got, but we we know the next step and uh, focus on providing the best, uh, uh, best uh, episode. Uh, that will be always keep things going uh, in a better way. So I really mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. thanks, Brendan. I, I really uh, learned a lot and inspired by what you shared. And later I can, uh, for the people who's listening, uh, go to have a have a listen. Uh, Brendan Jarvis podcast, uh, Brave UX. It's really good. You can sh- uh, you can search on any platforms um, available and also it will be included on the show note and also with uh, the linking uh, 
link and Twitter link uh, as well. So thanks guys for listening and thanks Brendan for, for thank this you Peter. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, me either. And great to have you here. Um, right. Uh, so I will see you guys in another episode. Bye.